0: Welcome back to sports Cube. I'm your host, Daniel Schaum, alongside Joe Stapaula. And today, we got a jam-packed episode for you. We have this day in sports. We have an interview with the one and only Colin Cosell, who's the grandson of the late Howard Cosell. And of course, we offer you your second round matchups for the AL side of the MLB food bracket. So Joe, let's just jump right into the food bracket. What do you got for us?
1: Getting an automatic buy into the second round, Daniel, we have the flamethrower of the Cleveland Indians, the pulled pork burger with bacon jam, coleslaw, and flaming hot Cheetos. You can't go wrong with that. No, you really can. It honestly
0: sounds like a great meal.
1: Next matchup we have is the chicken shawarma nachos from the Detroit Tigers versus the Chesapeake waffle fries of the Baltimore Orioles. What are you thinking here?
0: I'm definitely going with the Chesapeake waffle fries. You know, I just like waffle fries. I like fries. I'm a fry guy. And uh, eating waffle fries at the game just hits different, Joe.
1: I'm going to go with the chicken shawarma nachos. I'm a big fan of nachos. And it sounds pretty good. Pita chips topped with chicken, lettuce, tomatoes, pickles, hummus, and garlic sauce. Not a big fan of pickles, but the rest sounds good.
0: Yeah, Joe. What's our next matchup?
1: We got the brisket acho from the Kansas City Royals versus the... Southside horseshoe from the red from the white Sox of Chicago. What do you think? Yeah.
0: Joe, I'm definitely going with the brisket. You know, I don't think you can go wrong with brisket at a ball game. And it just sounds like a sandwich that could fill you and you could stay in your seat the entire game. And that's your sandwich. You're good to go for the whole game. I'm definitely going brisket here.
1: You can't go wrong with brisket here, but I'm going to go with the Southside horseshoe. A lot more in store. You got the Italian sausage, the fries, The cheddar sauce and garlic Texas toast sounds good. Sounds like a heart attack, but sounds definitely good.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Joe, what do you think for this next matchup? As we have Seattle's toasted grasshoppers versus the Houston Astros chicken waffle cone.
1: Well, the toasted grasshoppers, they, they sound, uh, they sound interesting, but I'm gonna have to go with the chicken waffle cone. It has popcorn chicken with mashed potatoes and honey mustard inside of a waffle cone. It's like mama's home cooking. So I'm going to have to go with the chicken waffle cone here. What is your I'm thought?
0: I'm kind of adventurous here. I'm definitely going grasshoppers. You know, I've had grasshoppers before. The way they're toasted, they're crunched up. It's just like a little pop in your mouth. And if you salt them up real good, you just can't beat it. I'm definitely going grasshoppers here.
1: What's your What's your choice on the next one? The Reuben Cuban sandwich versus the Monte Crush Davis Cristo.
0: I guess I'm going with the Reuben Cuban here. Yeah, I, I like Reuben sandwiches. I'm a, I'm a New Yorker, you know. Ruben's Rubens hit different, especially at a ball game.
1: I'm gonna have to go with the Monte Crush Davis Cristo because it sounds interesting. Ham, turkey, cheese, and strawberry preserve served between Belgian Belgian style waffles. Sounds like a dessert. Sounds like a. It sounds like a entree. Sounds good in general. So I'm gonna have to go with that.
0: I mean, why not? Right, be adventurous at the ballpark. Joe, our next matchup is a funky one, but
1: what do we got? Um we have the porkatsu of the uh of the Angels versus the kira versus the curd matzuke of the um Minnesota Twins. What's your thoughts here? Pork katsu,
0: you know, definitely like the pork, integrate it, you make it all nice. Pork, it works. It works with anything and it's just a good feeling in your mouth. It's a good taste.
1: I'm going to have to I'm going to have to agree with you there because it's it's a nice Asian matchup at a ballpark. Sounds interesting, looks fun. I'm going to have to go with that. And Joe, what do you think for this next one
0: as we have the Yankees, Autobio versus the Toronto Blue Jays' jerk chicken nachos.
1: Can't go wrong with the good nacho. I'm going to go with the jerk chicken nachos. Probably has a little bit of spice. Sounds good. I
0: think I'm going with Autobio bio though. I'm a hometown guy. I'm a hometown Yankees fan, and the chicken and pork rind served in a bun. It sounds like something adventurous to go for at the ballpark. I've never had it before, but definitely going to try it this season, even if we get a season this year.
1: Joe, what's our uh, our last matchup? We have an interesting matchup here. It's New England lobster roll from the, from the Boston Red Sox and the chicken and donut sliders from the Texas Rangers. What are your thoughts here?
0: I'm not a huge New England fan, so I'm definitely going with the chicken and donut slider. You know, KFC just released something like this, and I got to say, it was pretty, pretty good. So I'm definitely going with the chicken and donut slider.
1: I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I'm a big fan of lobster rolls if it's made good. And at a ballpark, they usually make pretty good food. And the chicken and donut slider sounds good, but I'm going to have to go with the with the good classic lobster roll from New England.
0: Yeah, that's good to hear, Joe. And that about wraps up our round of 16 for the al and then next time we'll have second round matchups but right after this we have our interview with colin cosell the late grandson of howard cosell all this and much more coming to you right after this before this let me tell you about anchor if you haven't heard about anchor it's the easiest way to make a podcast let me explain It's free. There are certain tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it could be on heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app in the App Store or go to anchor.com to get started. Welcome back to SportsCube. I'm your host, Daniel Schaum, alongside Joe Stapaola. And today we are joined with Mets PA announcer and announcer for the New York Riptide, also the grandson of the late Howard Cosell, Colin Cosell. Colin, thanks for being with us.
2: Thanks for having me on.
0: Colin, uh, what's the biggest difference between being the PA announcer for the Mets as opposed to being an announcer for the New York Riptide major league lacrosse team?
2: Uh, is this, uh, there's going to have to be like a three-parter, uh, cause that is, uh, that is a loaded question. The differences are like myriad, um, in all seriousness with the Mets, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. Uh, I read, um, either safety or sponsor related copy, and I let you know who's batting next. Um, and if there's a pitching change or defensive change, like stuff like that, um, I want to guess the occasional emergency announcement if it's pouring rain and there's lightning bolts and people are still standing by their seats. Um, But outside of that, it's, it's really kind of cut and dry for the New York Riptide. It's um, everything I've ever done in my entire life wrapped into one job. Um, First of all, for people who don't know, the National Lacrosse League is indoor lacrosse, so it is basically hockey. Uh, it's lacrosse in a hockey rink, um, and with the, the same kind of rules uh, and everything that apply, except there's a shot clock. Um, it's uh, the sport itself is so exciting and fast-paced. But part of my job description is you know what I do with the Mets, which is read um, you know uh, just regular PA copies, sponsor copy, announce goals and assists. Um, and introduce different things, but then during gameplay, uh I'm encouraged to do some play by play, uh even some color commentary um and then they also want me to antagonize the opposing team and every time I feel bad about it, um i I'm told you know there's other pas throughout the league that are just brutal, like one of them incited a fight between players, like basically prodded them on into fighting and, uh, and they did. And he, uh, I believe he got reprimanded reprimanded for that. But, um, so there's antagonizing the other team and then comedy. Uh, I've got a background in stand-up comedy as well. So, uh, I just get to be, you know, for lack of a better term, a flat out smart ass. And, um, and I just happen to be really good at, at all those things, you know, just kind of getting the crowd amped as well. So it's kind of got an in game host feel to it and a little bit of cheerleader feel to it. um, yeah, no, it's it's unlike any other job I that I can think of in the world for any sport uh, and definitely by, you know, the the sports that I've done in my life. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty wild. And there's a bit of a learning curve. But I was told, you know, uh, don't swear, don't be racist and don't be political. And I was like, well, that's fine. Um, but that also leaves like the sky to be the limit. So um but the one thing I've gotten very good at is is ripping on the other team.
0: So, Colin, obviously <laughs> your grandfather is the great Howard Cosell. Um, I'm sure I'm not the first person to ask, but how does it feel to be a part of that legacy? Um,
2: you know, it's that's a it's a good question because um, you know I knew at, at age five uh, for watching my grandfather that I wanted to do what he did, um, not knowing exactly how big he was. <laughs> But I knew instantly. I was enamored with uh, with microphones, talking into them, conveying information, or just entertaining people who would listen. Um, And so, you know, when I was in college, and a professor taught me about my own grandfather, uh, that was kind of a a shocking moment to, to me. I mean, at that point, you know, I'm a young adult. I'm you know 18, 19 years old, and I'm aware that he was a celebrity but i didn't realize he was big enough to be like taught in a college course kind of celebrity like maybe that was narrow-minded or or ignorant uh, of me but uh i just it never crossed my mind so throughout my my 20s i kind of avoided going into sports broadcasting because i realized these were massive shoes to fill and i was scared to fill them because he's considered one of the all-time greats in what is now a very saturated field um that being said, I got over it. I realized enough time had passed since he was uh you know at the height of his celebrity and uh and enough time had passed since he had passed away um We're actually recording this today would have been his one hundred and second birthday so uh so oh, happy right. birthday in heaven to howard um but uh but yeah he um it, it it was one of those things where I I he came from being a lawyer and became a broadcaster. I came from uh, theater and comedy and went into sports broadcasting. So automatically, you know, there's going to be two different styles. And I went when I finally started cutting my teeth in the industry at 29:30. Um, I made sure early on that I was going to have my own voice, my own approach to it, uh, because people were going to associate me with him. Um, with that, now I take a ton of pride. Um, I take a ton of pride that my uh, my cousin Greg, uh, Howard's nephew, is in the industry as well to a certain degree. <clears throat> Excuse me, he um, he's an analyst for ESPN and is on the Colin Coward Show a lot and stuff like that. Uh, and is extraordinarily knowledgeable. Like if, if you were to go head to head with someone in a fantasy football team, that's not the guy you want to do it with. Um, but, you know, there, there is, there is pride in knowing that there's a legacy there and that we're carrying it on. And when I got the job with the Mets and, you know, of course, naturally, uh, all the articles that were written about it, uh, you know, put my, you know, my name and my grandfather's name in the in the headline or put our pictures side by side. And that was the moment where, you know, I really took pride in it because, um, granted, you know, like. You know the the attractive part of the story for the reporters was, "Hey, this is Cosell's grandson getting a job at the Mets uh, also neat that my grandfather got his big break as a as a journalist covering the mets when they uh when they came out in nineteen sixty two so there's a bit of history there as well. But to be able to share a headline um you know with my grandfather uh at the same age he was when he went into broadcasting, he got into it at thirty eight was a moment of great pride for me. And uh, you know, it it wasn't, that day wasn't gonna be all about me anyway. There were two PAs hired. uh, So I got to share that, you know, that spotlight with Marisol Castro, but I also got to share it with my grandfather. And that was something that was very humbling and that I took, uh, I take a lot of pride in.
0: Yeah, he was clearly one uh, one of the world's leaders, especially when he made the connection with Muhammad Ali all the way back then, which was crazy, but definitely happy birthday to him.
2: And, yeah, no, uh, they they were, and they were best friends, by the way. They, you know, if you watch the old clips of them, they, they kind of pick on each other kind of like siblings would, but, uh, off the camera, they were nothing but the best of friends.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, Colin, I see you went into the restaurant business in New York city. Uh, I know it could be a tough town, but how does that compare to what you're doing today?
2: Uh, it's, it's miserable cause it's not what I wanted to do with my life. Um, you know, when, when MSG varsity, uh, went under, um, I, you know, was trying to find that, that, that next, you know, bit of work in, uh, in television. And I found, uh, it, more discouraging things about the industry outside of the bubble, the high school bubble that I was in. And, um, also it, you know, that you're not allowed sports broadcasting these days, you're not allowed to be a personality per se. Uh, now they want everyone to be safe and kind of cookie cutter. Um, and on ESPN, they, they won't even, you know, let you do real play by play. They want you to more storytell than actually explain what's going on. And that really didn't seem appealing to me. So I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, but I also had to make money and survive, you know, I'm 30, uh, you know, 33, 34 years old. Um, So I had to figure something out there. And fortunately, uh, a friend of mine owned a bar uh, nearby and asked me if I'd bartend for him. And I said, sure. Uh, And I fudged it. He asked me if I'd bartended before. I was like, Oh yeah, I had never done it a day in my life, but I, you know, I'm good at talking to people and you know, it's not that hard to make some drinks. I love to cook. This is just cooking with booze that quickly escalated. Um, I was working one day a week, then two days a week, then uh, completely transformed the demographic of his bar, made it kind of younger and hipper for people that were moving into Astoria Queens. And uh, it was like the the place to be. And then I got poached to another bar um, and uh, that was in the East village, Manhattan. So that's obviously, obviously a step up. It was a much larger bar. And with that, I kind of became the head bartender and then the manager of the bar. Um, and it was, you know, there's one great thing about that industry is the instant gratification of walking out with cash in your pocket and not having to worry about when direct deposit is or if it's freelance like when they're gonna pay you or what have you um it uh but that's kind of where it, it ends um outside of you know making some incredible friends and by the way meeting my wife we ended up working together um at uh at the bar as a manager um it's miserable. I mean, you're, you're on the whim of every single customer, you throw some alcohol into the equation, they're going to act like complete D bags um, for the most part. And you're, there's, you know, you're kind of at the mercy of, you know, that, that old adage, the customer is always, always right. Uh, especially when you're a manager and you want them to keep coming. And that was also at the height of Yelp and you want people to write good reviews. So there's a lot of pressure. The owners are always breathing down your neck. Customers are, you know, it takes one really bad customer to just ruin your night. And after a while, uh, it's also, it's a thankless job really. Um, So after a while, you know, it, it grates on you and it breaks you down and it makes you a miserable person. So the difference there is, I will gladly take the pressure of being on live TV and having to deliver my open uh, without a single stumble, than the pressure of having to make sure the bar pulls in twenty five hundred dollars on a Friday night because that's what we need to stay, you know, to stay open. Especially when it's not my business. And once again, Colin, thank you for being with us today. Awesome, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Take care. You too. All right, bye.
0: And today's this day in sports. We go all the way back to March 26, 1917, in the 1917 Stanley Cup Finals, as the Seattle Metropolitans would defeat the Montreal Canadiens 3-1 to one in a best-of-five set to win the Stanley Cup. Yes, the Seattle Metropolitans were the Pacific Coast Hockey Association champions, and, of course, the Montreal Canadiens were the National Hockey Association, and they would defeat the defending cup champs. And the big thing about this was that this was the first time that a team from the USA would beat or would win, actually, the Stanley Cup. And all these games were played in Seattle as well, which gave Seattle an an advantage. And also, they, they were such a superpower, and they finally were able to bring the Cup to America. We got some coronavirus update news for you right after this. And before we wrap up today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to tell everyone, to all of our listeners, please take the social distancing for the coronavirus seriously. Coronavirus has really taken a toll on not just us, but our daily lives, our daily routines, and everything that we used to take for granted. And now we're all just stuck at home. Uh, and of course, a big influence in the NBA was after Carl Anthony Towns announced that his mom was in a uh, medically induced coma for having the coronavirus and that she's not doing well. And he really wants everyone to take this seriously. So please make sure to take coronavirus seriously. Don't take it as a joke and practice social distancing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, though, we've got an exciting episode for you next time as we dive in to our local athletes on Long Island and ask them what they're doing to pass the time and also how their spring season or seasons in general were affected by the coronavirus. All this and much more coming for you in the next episode. So till then, peace out.